You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. I'd be listening to the mainstream media and just be left frustrated on how they covered these stories. They would completely ignore facts just to promote their own agenda. I said, man, I could do a better job than these fools. I should start my own show. So I did. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Freedom Strips. I'm sorry this one is late. I had a full episode recorded. Um, had a great interview with Trisha Stewart. And the audio on the interview got corrupted, and I tried to save it. The audio quality just was too bad to post. I I couldn't post it in in good faith uh, for your ears. So um, I'm trying to do a makeup episode here. Um, A lot of stuff has gone on in the past two weeks. So um, the, the two, I suppose three main topics I wanted to kind of talk about this episode would be uh, Bernie Sanders, um, Joe Biden, and this crazy Venezuelan coup that was attempted this week. Um, I'll try to do my best to kind of summarize all three of these topics uh, as best as I can within a uh, a decent time. I don't know. uh, I can't go too long uh, on this episode. I, I try to keep it around 45 to an hour. Let's see if I can make it that long, but... I wanted to get an episode out to you because um, these are actually some pretty interesting topics um, that I wanted to talk to you guys about. Uh, First off, Joe Biden officially announced his uh, run for president. So he's been flirting with the idea. Everyone expected this. Um, I mean, even when he wasn't officially announced, he was polling right behind Bernie Sanders. Um Bernie was was polling at about 32% and Biden was right behind him. And as soon as Biden uh, announced his campaign, he is now um in the lead. Let me actually just see CNN had a had a poll um which are totally um accurate polls as we saw in 2016. Their their polls are just fantastic, but let me actually see what CNN has him polling at. Uh, CNN. All right. Let's see. Okay. CNN's poll found Biden at 39% up 11 points from 28% in their previous poll in March and well ahead of Bernie Sanders, who was at 15%. The Quinnipiac university had Biden similar um, at 38%, but with Elizabeth Warren nominally in second place at 12%. That's that's bonkers to me. Elizabeth Warren is done. She is, there is no way Elizabeth Warren should be in this conversation. And honestly, I'm very surprised. Um, well, I shouldn't say surprised, really. Joe Biden is the establishment pick. I, I mean, if you had to throw money at somebody... For the establishment pick, I mean, it's, of course it's Joe Biden. Um, with this recent boost in polling numbers, I, I mean, he's really doing the same thing. Uh, he's looking the same way Hillary did 
leading up to the 2016 election. I mean, she was well ahead of all the other candidates. Um, Joe Biden's polling just like Hillary was. And I mean to leap Bernie Sanders like he did. Um, even though this is a CNN poll and they tow the line for the establishment um, Democrats, it even surprised me. And, I, you know, of course, this you can't trust polling data this early. I understand things can wildly swing and change. But um, Bernie Sanders is still my pick. I, this has to be his race to win. This is 100% Bernie Sanders' race to win. And uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they brought up a uh, an interesting question um, about Bernie Sanders. They were asking the question. They they under he said. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. The question was: Is Bernie Sanders running for president? Now, obviously, we know he's running a campaign for president, but does Bernie Sanders actually want to run for president? Or is he just running for his own well-being to enrich himself? He's already a millionaire now, and we'll get into that here in just a little bit. Um, his tax returns came out and, and found that he's well within the 1% that he demonizes all the time. And he's kind of flip-flopped his position on millionaires, even though he included his millionaires and billionaires in his, uh, his attacks on the rich. But it was it's an interesting question to to ponder. I, I think it's a it's a well well worth thinking about. Is Bernie Sanders actually running for president? Uh, a lot of uh, people that were fans of Bernie Sanders were really upset with him um, for backing Hillary Clinton in that 2016, uh, 2016 campaign or the uh, nomination. Excuse me. He 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 got it stolen from him. Everything was rigged against Bernie Sanders. Hillary Clinton knew it. The whole thing was rigged to have Hillary Clinton get the nomination. And for someone who preached all of the things that Bernie Sanders did, you know, that the banks are evil, right? The, the, the rich are evil. Everything that Bernie stood against, Hillary stood for. And after Hillary won the nomination, he backed her. And that, that upset a lot of Bernie supporters. Um, and this is looking eerily similar to 2016. If Bernie Sanders actually wants this, though, this has to be his race to win. Anyway, let's let's get back into Joe Biden here. Anyway, so Joe Biden officially launched his uh, his, his campaign, his, his run for president. He, he put out this really weird... Um, campaign announcement video um, talking about President Trump and how the soul of the nation is at stake. Um, he brought up Charlottesville, of course, um, that mess in Charlottesville. And uh, it's it, it's amazing because these people talk about what, what happened in Charlottesville. And obviously these, you know, horrible people, a group of, what what was it, like maybe 300 of these white nationalists or white supremacist um, people gathered in Charlottesville in protest of, uh, I, I believe it was taking, removing some of the Confederate statues. Um, however, you know, obviously that's a, that's a terrible um, movement, of course, 
however you look at it, they went through the proper channels. They got a permit. Okay. And, and they, they legally can go and however vile and, and disgusting their, their words and, and whatever their preaching is, it's covered under the first amendment. And the way you're supposed to respond to that is by more free speech. However, what happened was Antifa came up to that group and instead of using their free speech, they went up and they disrupted their event and they started throwing bottles of urine at them and starting provoking violence. And then that's when that mess just went off the rails and a a woman got killed by getting run over. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a mess of a situation. But that's the, the go-to target for Joe Biden in his campaign video. He said you had this group of white nationalists on one side and a group of brave young people on the other. I believe he, he uh, referenced them as very fine people, very like, a decent group of people on the other, when really they're both piles of garbage just going at each other. Uh, so he released that campaign video. However, the, the, the clip I wanted to cover was Joe Biden went on the view. Um, yeah, yes, the view I know. Um, however, (laughs) he said some very, Joe Biden has a way of talking a lot and not really saying anything. He, he never, he never even brought up a single policy issue in his campaign announcement video. He didn't bring up a single policy. And in during this entire view, um, interview, he didn't bring up a single policy issue there either. He's just running off the back of the Obama, Obama administration. And so what I wanted to play for you here is, He's asked the question why Obama hasn't endorsed him yet, and his response is fantastic. Let's take a listen to this. I mean, your dad, not a joke. Your family, it's example. It's, who, it's why the rest of the world's followed us. And they're looking like, my Lord, mm-hmm. you know, what's going on? We know that you served as President Obama's vice president for the full eight years. And yet, and yet, yesterday... Is that a surprise, you, all eight? I know. And, and, <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. As far as I'm concerned, those were very successful eight years no. for both of you and for the country. But you said yesterday, I asked President Obama not to endorse. Yeah, well, look, Why? the president, everybody knows. <laughs> so, that's a... I don't know if you caught it there. She, Joy Behar is like... Um, so you served under Obama for eight full years and, um, she points out that Obama hasn't endorsed him yet. And Joe Biden released a statement saying that he asked Obama not to endorse him. (laughs) What a bold face lie. Who would ever believe that? Ye. He asked Obama not to endorse his run as president. I mean, he goes on to say in like this interview of like how in trouble the nation is and and how the the soul of the nation needs to be saved from these 
this mess of a president who is encouraging the uh, the uprising of of uh, people like these uh, white nationalists in Charlottesville, and you see all this anti-Semitism rising up, which is a whole another topic that I won't get into. But if it's really in that big of a mess, and you think you're the guy to fix it, why would you not ask Obama, who is practically a god in the Democratic Party, why would you not ask Obama, someone you served under for eight years, and that would practically guarantee you the nomination to save the country? Well, his why not is coming up here in just a second. I think everybody knows we didn't only serve together, but our families are close. We became very close personal friends. I mean, it's a, as some of the vice presidential scholars and presidential <laughs> scholars have written it, that I, they think there's very few, probably no other administration where the president and vice president became as personally yeah. close. I grew to respect him, and he, he is just a man of great honor and discipline. And, and his family, he and my wife and, 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 and Michelle are close friends. They were talking to each other the other day. They went over to see each other the other day. So I didn't want it to look like he was putting his thumb on the scale here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, uh, and that, you know. What? He's even struggling to answer this. But his answer to that is, why would you ask Obama not <laughs> not to endorse your run as president? Because he didn't want Obama to put his thumb on the scale? What a joke. What a complete joke. Oh my gosh. The truth is, Obama is probably waiting for his endorsement because there's a good chance that Biden might just fizzle out, especially during the debates. Remember, this is a guy who has run before. (laughs) I mean, Trump's called him 1% Biden or 1% Joe before because he's ran in the uh, 1988 or I forget which year he ran, but he's run before and he never got past 1% in the polls. Obama's probably holding back his nomination until he gets a clear, clear view of how this election is going to go. I, I mean, early polling data, if I had to guess, I mean, he's the obvious pick for the establishment. He probably will get the Obama endorsement here soon, but to, to just lie and to, these people just eat up everything he says. It's like, oh, oh, yeah, you just asked Obama not to endorse you. Sure. Of course. That's totally believable. That's not the craziest thing he said in this interview. Let's take a listen on. He says he's something even crazier. I'm going to do this based on who I am, not by the president going out and trying to say, this is the guy you should be with. Um, so I, that, that, that's why I asked him not to. I'm very, I'm incredibly proud to have served with him. And the thing I'm proudest of is we coincidentally, we're each in a different part of the country Uh, And we were each talking to groups of people that were being televised. And at the same day, purely coincidentally, we had asked the question, what are you proudest of in your administration? You know what I said? It turns out he said the same thing and probably a little more clearly than I did. (laughs) Is that not one single whisper of scandal. Not one. Not Mm -hmm. one single whisper. That's Barack Obama. That's right. 
What? I know. He's amazing. So, you know, a lot of people, some people. The thing he's proudest of the most is not a single whisper of scandal during the eight years Obama was in power. The Obama administration was scandal-free for eight years. Not a single whisper. Man. I'm not going to dive too deep into this because obviously if you have any sorts of common sense and you're not totally brainwashed, you know that that's not true. You know that that's not true. Such a lie, and these people, man, they eat it right up. That's half the country right there, man. They actually believe that. They fully believe it. They watched him for eight years. They watched that administration for eight years. Not a single scandal. Never mind drone striking American citizens, starting wars in Syria, Libya. The terrible one in Yemen that's still ongoing with President Trump. Fast and Furious, he armed Mexican drug cartels. I mean, talk about like Edward Snowden happened during the time of Obama. Obama was extremely hard on journalists and whistleblowers. He directed his IRS to specifically target conservatives. What about Obamacare? <laughs> That's a scandal. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Man, what a load of crap. Oh, and uh, since we're, you know, still, I didn't want to cover this because I'm, I'm done with the Russia investigation. It already came out. We already know the answers. You know, it's all this mess with William Barr coming um on the news right now, they're, they're hanging on to every little thread they can possibly try and twist and turn and, and get some sort of validation to their conspiracy theory. But the underlying, the, the whole thing pins on, was there collusion? No, the answer is no. But since we're on the topic of Russia collusion and since everyone's obsessed with it, remember that video clip where Obama was talking to, hold on. You know what? I'm going to do this on the fly right now. Obama was talking to, um, let me see here, Russian ambassador, I believe. (laughs) Yeah, here we go. No, that's not it, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he doesn't know the the thing's still filming. He says, after my election, I have more flexibility. I understand. I will translate this information to Vladimir. I understand. Obama's telling the Russians that he has more flexibility... After his election, man, on camera, spare me the fake outrage on the Russia BS, the conspiracy theory, not a single scandal in the Obama administration. 
gosh, this is how insane the left has become to actually hear uh, Biden say this. And then they just nod their heads. They agree. They clap and cheer like robots. And and I mean, like I was watching a clip the other day where they, they did the uh, in late night. They always bring up like if someone talks about the Obama administration and how terrible it is, they always go to the. Oh, yeah, I know. It was so awful. Remember the tan suit scandal? Which was pretty dumb being covered the way it was by Fox. If you don't know the tan suit scandal, I'm doing air quotes right here. Obama wore a tan suit. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It was in the news. Fox News covered it. It was a dumb story. It doesn't matter. But they cling on to that as if like that. Oh, Obama. Yeah, he was such a horrible president, right? He wore that tan suit one time. No. No. He drone struck. He he sent drone strikes to kill American citizens overseas. That happened. He created a kill list with American citizens on it. He actually wrote into law that American citizens could be detained without trial by the government. Man. I mean, his CIA created ISIS. They did. The the mess... You Talk about... You think George W. Bush was bad? And man, was he bad. Man, was he bad. You think that was bad? Obama actually turned around and started fighting for Al-Qaeda. In Syria. No, I'm not joking. They're fighting on the side of Al-Qaeda in Syria right now. That was under Obama. That's real treason. Fighting on the side of a known enemy of the United States. Funding them. Giving them weapons. We're fighting for Al-Qaeda in Syria to topple their government. (sighs) Absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible. And this right here, this guy is Obama 2.0. Guaranteed. Obama 2.0. Well, I mean, honestly, he might be 3.0 because Trump, what what wars has he jumped out of that weren't Obama's? He's actually flirting with war in Venezuela and Iran. So Trump right now, I mean, he's looking more like Obama 2.0. Drain the swamp. He's got the swamp as his national security advisor. Man, he surrounded himself with the swamp. What has he drained? Nothing. So if things go the way that they're tracking right now with Trump, Biden might be 3.0 Obama. Who knows? Just a continuation of the same thing. But we'll see. He's polling high right now. I I don't know. Man, I feel like when Biden gets on the debate stage, he's not going to be able to hang with Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is the Democratic Party. Name me one policy 
that makes Joe Biden stick out. Name me a single policy. Vice versa, Bernie Sanders is the one who is coming up with all of the uh, left-wing ideas. See him however you may, Bernie Sanders is the leader of the Democratic Party. It is his party. Name me a single candidate. All right, well, I'll give you one candidate that is different. In fact, two candidates that are special in the Democratic Party, but they won't even get a shot, not even a single shot. Andrew Yang and my personal favorite, if she didn't, if she actually fixed up her um, domestic policies, I would vote for her. And that's Tulsi Gabbard. Those two are the best Democratic candidates to come out in a long time. But they won't make it. They won't make it. Which is expected for someone like them. I think Andrew Yang's pulling at 2%. Tulsi's at 1%. Uh, but you, you, you listen to this guy talk and you think he's going to hang on stage with Biden? Or, excuse me, with uh, Bernie? This guy's going to beat Bernie in a debate? Now, the only way this guy takes out Bernie Sanders is when the DNC rigs it again, which could be very likely. But since we are on the topic of Bernie Sanders, I I said uh, Bernie had his tax returns released, and uh, it is confirmed that he is a millionaire. He is a part of the 1% because of his book. Um, And and Bernie Sanders kind of made the rounds uh, last week and the week before. He did a couple of town halls, one for CNN and one for Fox News. Now, I want to cover the Fox News one because I actually think there was a lot of good questions that came out of that Fox News town hall. Um, But there was one thing uh, in the CNN town hall that kind of captured the news cycle for a couple days. Um, And that was when uh, Bernie Sanders uh, was asked about his policy on voting, voting rights for felons or for voting rights for people in jail. Um, And this is something that is a very interesting topic that could have um, really boosted Bernie Sanders up, but he totally flopped on this question big time. And man, did he write his own attack ad. But take a listen to this question. It's a good question. And then Bernie just fails, just falls face first. Senator Sanders... You have said that you believe that people with felony records should be allowed to vote while in prison. Does this mean that you would support enfranchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted terrorist and murderer? Do you think that those convicted of sexual assault should have the opportunity to vote for politicians who could have a direct impact on women's rights? Okay, thank you for the question. Okay, so the question was about his his policy on voting rights being restored to felons or for felons being able to vote. Um, And then he's asked that, does that mean that you would advocate for the Boston marathon bomber and rapists to be able to vote and have a say in our society? 
Now, is this a little bit of a gotcha question? It could be. It could be. But this is simple to answer. Very simple to answer. Let me tell you how you answer this. And then I'll play Bernie's response on, obviously, how not to answer this question. The answer to the question should be, do you want the Boston Marathon bomber and rapists to be able to vote in prison? Or to just to be able to vote? The answer to that question is a resounding no. N-O, period. No. Now, if you were to say um, that our criminal justice system is throwing people in cages that shouldn't be in cages and thus should have the right to the vote, then yes, yeah, I agree. The, the prison system, the criminal justice system needs to be revamped. There are a lot of people in there for nonviolent crimes that shouldn't be in there, that have felonies. But the answer, too, should the marathon bomber and rapists have a say to what goes on in our society? The answer is no, Bernie. The answer is no. Listen to what he says. And, uh, and let me just say this. What our campaign is about and what I believe is creating a vibrant democracy. Today, as you may know, we have one of the lowest voter turnouts of any major country on earth. I want to see us have one of the highest voter turnouts. And by the way, what we're seeing is more young people getting involved in the political process, but not enough. And in my view, if young people voted at the same percentage that older people voted in this country, we would transform this nation. But to get to your point, we live in a moment where cowardly Republican governors are trying to suppress the vote. And in fact, right here, as you may know, in New Hampshire, the legislature and the governor are working hard to make it more difficult for young people to vote. And to me, that is an incredibly... And he's talking about voter ID laws. Yeah, the crazy idea that you should have a ID, some sort of identification to tell us that you are a citizen and you are who you say you are. That's a that's a racist policy, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Undemocratic, un-American process. Un-American. And I say to those people, by the way. <laughs> By checking if you're an American, that's un-American. <laughs> Whatever. If you don't have the guts to participate in free and fair elections, you should get another job and get out of politics. All right? So we got to... Answer the so question, Bernie. And to answer your question, as it happens in my own state of Vermont, from the very first days of our state's history, what our Constitution says is that everybody can vote. That is true. So people in jail can vote. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. No! Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, not going to let him vote, or yes. that person did that, not going to let that person vote, you're running down a slippery slope. Oh, that guy's a terrorist that blew up a bunch of innocent people during a race. That guy should, shouldn't vote. Oh, that guy went around and raped innocent women. 
that guy shouldn't vote. Yes, they shouldn't. You know why? Because they're rapists and terrorists. (laughs) What kind of clown world are we living in to say, and this all comes down to like, is it a human right? Is, is voting, does that come down to a human right? No. No. I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I mean, I could go down the rabbit hole of like why, why democracy is evil anyway. The, the, the majority ruling over the minority. That's why we're built as a Republic, by the way, so that the minority wouldn't be ruled by the majority. Yeah, that thought process has gone away. Um, but man, Bernie Sanders, the answer to that question is no. No, the Boston Marathon bomber and rapists should not vote. So I believe that people who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they got out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society, but that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. <laughs> Applause for the answer. <laughs> My father. <laughs> Quick, Chris Cuomo's like, uh, and there's applause for the answer. <laughs> These people are clapping for this man saying that they should be able to vote. The Boston Marathon bombers should be able to vote and rapists should be able to vote. And Chris Cuomo knows that this is bad news for Bernie Sanders. And he tries to put him on the right path. Follow question goes to this being like you're writing an opposition ad against you by saying you think the Boston Marathon bomber should vote not after he pays his debt to society, but while he's in jail. You sure about that? Well, Chris, I think I have. <laughs> Are you sure about that? Chris, you can watch the video online. Chris Cuomo is like looking at him like, are you sure about that? It just reminds me of like the John Cena meme where he's got the little cutout and he puts his face through it. And he's just like, are you sure about that? Like, Bernie, you know what you said? Are you sure you don't want to walk that back right now? Written many 30 second opposition ads throughout my life. This will be just another one. But I do believe. Look. But I do believe. Yeah. I'm not walking it back. This is what I believe. Do you believe in democracy? Do you believe that every single American 18 years of age or older who's an American citizen has the right to vote? No. Not if you're a rapist and a terrorist. No. Is that a radical idea? No, that's not a radical idea. You you have the radical idea of thinking that these people should have a say in how I live my life. No, I'm sorry. They don't. You start chipping away at that, believe me. That's what our Republican governors all over this country are doing. They come up with all kinds of excuses why people of color, young people, poor people can't vote. 
And yeah, I'll- because you need an ID. Like, if you don't look, if you're a grown look, if you're a grown person, I understand if you're living in a poverty stricken environment and it's tough, man. I think we need to make voting easier. I think we need to make voting access. You know what? I say that, but I don't know if I believe that. Man, I think it should be. I, I think you need to be educated to be able to vote, to just open it up to every. Like, if you don't have your life together enough to have a freaking ID in this country and you're a grown person old enough to vote and you don't have an ID, no. Do I think you should have a say in what goes on in society? No, I'm sorry, I don't. I don't. If you do not have your life together enough to get an ID to be able to show that you are who you say you are, then no, I do not think you have the mental capacity to be able to tell me how to live my life. To be able to extract more tax money to feed your welfare style. I'm sorry, that's... I don't think that's a crazy idea. Is that a crazy idea? I will do everything I can to resist it. This is a democracy. We've got to expand that democracy. And I believe every single person does have the right to vote. All right. Anyway, man, I don't think that... uh, I could not think of a more unpopular opinion. Saying the Boston Marathon bomber and rapist should be able to vote. Have a say in society. Man, I don't know. Those people clapped and cheered. Maybe it's not that unpopular. If that is the case, if that is a popular opinion, man, we're already done. We are already done. It's over. It's over. I don't think it's that popular, though. Can't be. Can't be. No way. Let's move on over to the um, the town hall that Bernie Sanders had with Fox News. Now, this was actually – I watched this town hall, and this was actually a really good town hall, and, and the, the crowd um, surprised me. The, the crowd makeup – the makeup of this crowd was about 80 – I would say 80-20 in the favor of Bernie Sanders. So that means like the, the crowd was very pro-Sanders in this town hall that Fox News was hosting. Um, which was very surprising. I mean, it's props to, uh, to Fox news for allowing that many people I could like, do I think if CNN held a town hall for a Republican candidate, do you think they would allow an 80, 20 crowd in favor of the candidate on CNN? I mean, look what they did with the, uh, the town hall right after the, um, the school shooting. Oh gosh. Stoneman Douglas school shooting, the, the, the CNN town hall they had after that, man, no way that network would allow what happened here on, on Fox news. However, there were some great questions asked to Bernie Sanders and man, did he get exposed because he doesn't have some answers. Let's listen in. Bethlehem Steel Plant. 
In its heyday, the Bethlehem steel plant blasts those furnaces and they produce thousands of tons of steel a day. That steel built skyscrapers and helped the U.S. win two world wars. The plant closed in 1995, really devastating this working class community. But now there is a new day dawning in Bethlehem economically and politically here in Northampton country, which Northampton County, which is where we are. Uh, they voted for President Barack Obama in big numbers and for the Democrat all the way back to Bush 41, actually. But it flipped the script in this county and they voted for Donald Trump in 2016 by a shift of nine points. And that's one of the reasons we are here. Senator Sanders is hoping to get those voters back in the blue column. According to all recent polls, he's leading among declared Democrat candidates. Ladies and gentlemen, Senator Bernie Sanders. Thank you very much. This, this was before, obviously, Joe Biden announced his run. So this was, Bernie was the clear leader for the candidates. Thank you. Senator, we want to start. Uh, we're going to get a lot of questions from the audience. Martha and I will follow up throughout. Let's start by getting right to our audience. Our first question is from Joe. He is a student from Allentown, PA. Joe, what's your question? Hey, Joe. Hi, Senator Sanders. Uh, now that your tax returns have been released and you have been identified as a millionaire and in the top 1%, will you pay your fair share? And how do you plan to apply the policies that you have been talking about and forcing on top earners? Thank you, Senator Sanders. Well, uh... I happen to believe, Joe, that we have an absurd tax system. And while millions of people today are paying actually more in taxes than they anticipated. And this is this is something interesting. You'll hear this talking point that more people think they're paying more in taxes than they anticipated, um, which is true. People think that they are paying more in taxes, but the data shows that everyone is paying less taxes than they did the previous years. It's, it's a, uh, it's an interesting, uh, I've seen many different polls and data on this. And, um, it is true that people think that they are paying more in taxes when they actually are not, they're having less taken out in taxes. Amazon, Netflix, and dozens of major corporations, as a result of Trump's tax bill, pay nothing in federal taxes. I think that's a disgrace. So today we announce... <laughs> now, you raised the issue, I am a millionaire. Well, actually, this year we had $560,000. Oh, in a... and that's a lot of money. And that money, in my case, in my wife's case, it came from a book that... I wrote a pretty good book. You might want to read it. It was a bestseller. It sold all over the world, and we made money. So if anyone thinks that I should apologize for writing a best-selling book, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do it. That is so interesting, Bernie. I actually agree with you. I don't think you should have to apologize for writing a book that went to the top of the bestsellers and making a lot of money. However, you are the one demonizing the people who did so. I th since you brought up Amazon, think of Joe uh, Joe Be uh, Bezos. His name Joe Bezos. What's his name? Amazon. John Bezos. Bezos. Jeff Bezos. Think of Jeff Jeff Bezos. He was not born into his wealth. 
he created a company that nearly every American citizen uses almost every day because he provided a service and a product that made our lives easier and better and more convenient. Now, you're talking about the cronyism that takes place that reduces the uh, like reduces the tax burden on Amazon, but not small businesses. So Amazon doesn't pay any in federal taxes, whereas small businesses have to. You don't ever bring up small businesses, by the way. But yeah, I agree. The cronyism, which is completely government intervention in the in the uh, free market that is doing that by the way that's cronyism that's the government that's messed up i agree but it's so the hypocrisy of this guy saying finally as he's exposed as a millionaire he's like i shouldn't have to uh apologize for writing a best selling book if you write a best selling book you can make a million dollars I'm not going to apologize for making money or writing a book. Yeah, you shouldn't have to. But let me reiterate, I voted against, I guess on Fox News, you said that I benefited from Trump's tax bill. Did you tell people that I voted against Trump's tax bill? Sure, but you, okay. did, you did benefit from it. <laughs> yes, you did benefit from the tax bill. But I voted against it. And I happen to believe that a tax bill written and pushed by Trump, who told the American people that that tax bill, some of you may recall, would not benefit the wealthy. Remember that? Oh, it's not going to benefit the wealthy. 83% of the benefits went to the top 1%. Yeah, who's in that 1%, Bernie? (laughs) That's you bad idea and in my view people whether it's me you probably make a lot more money than i do but whether it's me or you or anybody else i think wealthy people and large corporations that are making billions in profits should start paying their fair share of taxes but senator to to your point and to joe's point your taxes do show that you're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> Come on. We're very... the, I am... Uh, I paid the... Man, he's just like... So he's asked, <laughs> he's asked, yeah, well, you're, you know, you're writing the 20%, 26% tax rate. Why don't you just say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to give my fair share away, which is a fair point. Why don't you practice what you preach? <laughs> Why don't you take your money? And gee, I don't know, donate it to charity. By the way, when Bernie Sanders tax returns came out, when he made a million dollars, guess how much that dude gave to charity? 3% went to charity. That dude made a million dollars and gave a 3% to charity. 
What a load of crap. And now he's asked, well, why don't you practice what you preach, what you preach instead of keeping the money that the tax bill helped you keep? Why don't you give away your fair share to, I don't know, charity? And what does Bernie Sanders do? Let me back it up and let you hear his answer to that. You're a millionaire. You did make a million in 2016, 2017. You're right, the 561 in 2018. But your marginal tax rate, tax rate was 26% because of President yeah. Trump's tax cuts. So why not say, you know, I'm leading this revolution. I'm not going to take those. <laughs> <laughs> come on. But there he, he, he scoffs. He goes, uh, come on. Like, what do you mean, come on, Bernie? What does that mean? scoffing and laughing at the idea of actually practicing what you want to happen. Hell, even give a little bit more than 3% to charity, you bum. I am, I pay the taxes that I owe. And by the way, what you got? I pay the taxes that I owe. Okay. And then he doesn't know how to answer this question, by the way. He's totally flabbergasted. I pay the taxes that I owe. And then he completely, and he does this several times during this town hall. He just goes around and brings up Trump. I am, I pay the taxes that I owe. And by the way, why don't you got Donald Trump up here and ask him how much he pays in taxes. Yeah, ask him how much he pays in taxes. Okay, well, we will, but he's not saying we should incorporate an extreme tax on the wealthy, on the 1%, on you, Bernie Sanders. If you want it to happen to your class of people, why don't you try, I don't know, doing it yourself? You'd get a lot more respect for doing it. What a joke. He's completely caught on that. Completely caught. Eagerly awaiting you're doing that. Well, we'd love to have you. We would love we'll, to have we'll we'll you. Got him up there. And the president, I guess the president watches your network a little bit, right? <laughs> hey, President Trump, my wife and I just released 10 years. Please do the same. Let the American people know how much we're doing. All right. But just, just to wrap that up, you do spend a lot of time vilifying millionaires. No, I don't vilify. The fact that I think. What? You don't vilify millionaires and billionaires? What? A lot of time vilifying millionaires. No, and I don't vilify. The fact that I think people who are doing phenomenally well right now, as you know, for 40 years we have seen a shrinking middle class. You've got 40 million people living in poverty. And today, just so happens that the very wealthy are doing incredibly wealthy. It's not vilifying. Yeah, you. To say that. People have a whole lot of money. In some cases, billions of dollars of wealth. They should pay their fair share of taxes. Right. Well, right. Yeah. You. That's not vilifying. Yeah, last question on this. The, a lot of millionaires and billionaires give a ton to charity. You gave 3.4%. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. This is so... Oh, I don't know how he just stands up there and doesn't cringe out of his skin after being told that. A lot of billionaires and millionaires give a lot to charity. Yeah. I think, uh, what is it? Bill Gates has given like a couple, 
hold on. Billionaires give to charity. Let's take a look here. Tech billionaires who donate the biggest percentage of their wealth to charity. Okay, let's take a look at this. Bill Gates, he's donated $41 billion. Michael Dell has donated $2 billion. His net worth is 22 Carlos Slim has donated $4 billion. A lot of these people... I don't know. Mark Zuckerberg, he's donated almost $2 billion. These dudes donate a lot to charity. Here we go, Jeff Bezos. He's donated nearly $2.5 billion. Man, a lot of these people, if you look at their numbers, they're pulling a lot higher than 3% to charity, Bernie. What do you got to say? Last question on this. The, a lot of millionaires and billionaires give a ton to charity. You gave 3.4%. Yeah. My <laughs> wife and I do give money to charity. Yeah. My wife and I uh, do give to charity, and that's good. Yeah, 3%. Oh, well, congratulations, Bernie. <laughs> he gave like 10 grand. All right, and we're proud to do what we did. They're all those. You're quite right. There are people. Gates Foundation do a phenomenal job. We do what we do. We do what we do. What about your fair share, Bernie? Oh my gosh, how exposed can you get, man? Oh man, talking about people should give their fair share, pay their fair share of taxes for the for the uh, the needy. And this guy makes a million dollars and gives 3% to charity. Maximizes his deductions, gives 3% to charity. And then scoffs and laughs at the idea of giving more. Well, you know, you're writing the 26 percentile. Why don't you just give the rest of your money, you think your fair share, the one that you're proposing, to charity or to the needy? That's ridiculous. Whoa. All right, I got a couple questions for you. So you, you've recommended a, a wealth tax, 70% wealth tax. No, actually, I didn't. That was 70, 77%. No, I think another person. What would, what's your number? What's my number? Well, I'll tell you what I think. I think that in order to make sure that elderly people do not continue to live in poverty, and you got 20% of elderly people trying to get by of thirteen dollars or $14,000 a year, I think we should raise that cap for people making $250,000 or more so we can make sure that our parents can live out their lives in dignity. I'll tell you what else I think. I think at a time when Wall Street is doing phenomenally well and we have millions of young people who are deeply in debt for the crime of having gone to college, 
I believe we should pass a speculation tax well, that, on Wall Well, that's fine, Street. but I'm asking you about the wealthy and how much higher you would make it. You said yeah, you, I, you I don't agree with 70%. What would your number be? In the campaign in 2016, we talked about 52%. All right, so 52%. So would no. you be willing to pay 52% on the money that you made? Oh, so you can volunteer. You can send a check. Oh, you can volunteer, too. We have a... But you suggested, have, you suggested that uh, absolutely hey, everybody in your bracket should do. And Martha, why don't you give? You make more money than I well, do. Why I don't you I give? didn't suggest a wealth tax. And she's not running for president. All right, but we're going to fight for a wealth tax. And we're going to demand that we end the absurdity. Whoa. So she's like, well, uh, why don't you do it? Why don't, why don't you give 52% of your income away? So, well, why don't you? Well... I'm not going around telling people they should give half of their money away, Bernie. I'm not the one going around telling people they're not entitled to half of their income. You are. Where major corporation after major corporation. You know what? In this tax bill bill that you are defending, families like the Koch brothers, of course you're defending it. Families like the Koch brothers get billions and billions of dollars in savings. That is absurd. Trump wants to repeal the entire estate tax. Huge tax breaks for billionaires. You got another question? We have many questions. (laughs) We have many questions. So spicy. We want to get substance. We want to get details. Well, let's do it. And and the audience has a ton of questions, too. All right. Martha? So our, our question comes from Kathy Harrington. Kathy, what's your question for Senator Sanders? Hi, Senator Sanders. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley. So my question is, the definition of socialism is just a society agreeing to work together and combining their resources to make sure everyone is protected and taken care of. How can you challenge the idea that socialism is bad? Whoa. Where did you get that definition? Boy, that sounds happy. Well, just everyone working together for the collective good. That's happy. It's not the state control of the means of production. Definitely not. That sounds much more scary and much more real, as in the definition of socialism. In fact, let's see what Google says. Google. Socialism definition. All right. All right. Merriam-Webster, socialism. Any of various economic and political theories advocating for collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods. A system of society or group living in which there is no private property a system or condition of society in which the means of production are owned and controlled by the state. These people, man. These people. I'm running out of time. Um, I wanted to cover a little bit more on that town hall, but I kind of ranted a little bit, so I don't have time. But just listening to this whole thing made me think of a, uh, a great little SpongeBob clip. Hey, Bernie Sanders. I'm still gonna kick my butt! 
how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? I love the young people. <laughs> oh, Bernie, Bernie, Bernie. Anyway, I want to wrap up uh, on this topic. Uh, a Venezuelan coup <laughs> was attempted. Um, I'll just run over the quick highlights on this. You know, I don't have a ton of information on this, but it was pretty wild to see this happen the other day. Juan Guaido, which is the um, U.S.-backed uh, puppet president that the CIA wants in Venezuela. Look, however you view this situation in Venezuela, we've talked about this a lot on the show in past shows. I told you that this was going down a bad road, and it's continuing down a bad, bad road. But the U.S. just had <laughs> had its tail whipped. It, the U.S. had its tail between its legs, and it's trying to consider what it wants to do next. But Juan Guaido announced that he wanted a military coup to take place. This is a guy that's backed by the CIA, the United States, several other countries to interfere in Venezuela's election. You know, which is it's fine that the United States interferes in elections, but. God help us if the Russians spend 10 grand on Facebook memes that they took from Reddit. Anyway, Juan Guaido announced a coup against the Maduro government. The coup did not go well. None of the military leaders defected. Juan Guaido, I don't think he's been arrested yet. Um, I think he's in hiding now because the coup, nothing happened. Nothing took place. Um, it was, uh, pretty weird. It, uh, it looked like this, the CIA had a couple contacts that they may have had information that, they were told that a, a couple of the military leaders were ready to defect. And so I guess the CIA and the United States gave Juan Guaido the go ahead to start the coup. Um, didn't go well, did not go well, man. We need to stay out of it, but it's not, it is not going to happen. The U.S. interference in Venezuela is going to go farther and farther and farther and farther until troops are on the ground. Because that's what John Bolton and Michael Pompeo do. They get troops on the ground. They're going to get into Venezuela because they want the oil. This is not a humanitarian mission. If the U.S. cared about humanitarian missions... We would not be helping the Saudis in Yemen. We would not be funding the Saudis, giving them weapons, giving them bombs, and helping them in their blockade of food and supplies to the country as the Saudis target water treatment plants for the citizens there. If the U.S. actually cared about humanitarian needs, then they would care about the hundreds of thousands of women and children that they are assisting with the slaughter of. 
I mean, disease is running rampant in the country. There's no food. There's no medical supplies coming in. Famine has stricken the entire country and region. So spare me the humanitarian talking point with Venezuela. What a joke. What a joke to actually think that. As long as Mike Pompeo, John Bolton are at the head, calling the shots, military-industrial complex, get their wars and their battles to line their pockets. It's not going to stop. And it's not going to stop in in Venezuela. This is just a setback for the U.S. It's not going to stop. It's going to get further and further in trouble. Man, it's going to be a mess. It's not going to be good. And uh, Democratic Senator Doug Jones actually had the nerve to say that Russia needs to get out and leave our part of the world alone. Like, (laughs) how many parts of the world is the U.S. in? But listen to this little clip here with uh, on Wolf Blitzer's Situation Room. Joining us now, Senator Doug Jones, a Democrat. He serves on the Armed Services Committee. Senator, thanks very much for coming in. Uh, let's start with Venezuela. You, you just heard moments ago the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, tell me here in the Situation Room uh, that uh, the Venezuelan President Maduro had a plane right. on the tarmac ready to go to take him to Havana, Cuba. He was ready to leave. But the Russians talked him out of that. How concerning is that to you? It's very concerning. I mean, look, everyone has to be concerned about what Russia is doing, interfering with our elections, interfering with everything we're doing. And uh, what do you what election are you interfering with right now? This is, I think, a really troubling factor uh, that's going on right now. We've seen the violence. We see things happening. uh, We see people losing their lives down there. And uh, something's got to give. Maduro needs to leave, and the Russians need to get out and leave leave our part of the world alone and let them deal with it. <laughs> leave our part of the world alone. Meanwhile, get this. Personnel of the U.S. Army 101st Airborne Division have arrived in Ukraine as part of a joint multinational training group uh, on a Ukraine mission. So guess who just sent troops to the Russian border? Get out of our part of the world. It's our part of the world. You have no say what goes on here. Meanwhile, we'll drop troops on your border. Man, oh man, oh man. Oh, I just remembered. Let me play this for you, and then I'll end with this. There's a great clip on Tucker Carlson. Again, he's great on the war issue. Man, is he fantastic. He actually has on a real journalist to talk about this mess in Venezuela. Here we go. This is it here. Let me play this for you. What do you make of the news coverage of this? Your viewers won't be shocked to hear this, Tucker, but the news media, the fake news media, are lying about the situation in Venezuela. Let me put it for you this way. Imagine if Hillary Clinton had refused to admit defeat after losing to President Trump in 2016 and banded together a group of 24 U.S. soldiers and attempted to take the White House by force. I don't think she'd be walking freely on the streets the way Juan Guaido is walking right now in Caracas. And I certainly think the news media would be calling it rightfully a coup. And let me just tell you, when it comes to what's happening on the ground there, 
I can tell you, I was there for a month earlier this year. The opposition has no popular support. Juan Guaido proved today once again that he will only ride in to power on the back of a U.S. tank. And what's more, we hear about a humanitarian crisis there, Tucker, but what we never hear is that is the intended result of U.S. sanctions which have targeted Venezuela since 2015, sanctions which, according to a, a report that was released just last week by the Center for Economic and Policy Research, has led to the deaths of 40,000 Venezuelans and will lead to the deaths of Goodness thousands gracious. more if these sanctions aren't overturned. President Trump, if he truly cared about the American or the Venezuelan people and the American people for that matter, he would end this disastrous policy, he would end the sanctions, and he would look into John Bolton's eyes, into Elliot Abrams' eyes, and Mike Pompeo's eyes and say, you are fired. You are leading me down a disastrous path, another war for oil, something <laughs> the president said. He you was, are passionate. He was celebrated by the American people when he said Iraq was a mistake, and now he's willing to do it again. But it is a bipartisan thing. I mean, Biden came out today and said he agrees. Absolutely, it is a bipartisan issue. So, it's interesting. It would be interesting to know why that is. Um, well, again, I've said this before. Whenever these two sides get together on something, it's something terrible. And it's usually war. It's never in your best interest. But she's absolutely right. Trump was celebrated when he said Iraq War II and Iraq War I was a mistake. A terrible, terrible mistake. And he's about to do it again. Anyway, I went over. Man, I actually did not think... I would go this long, but hey, I'm trying to make up for an episode. I gave you a little extra time. All right. <laughs> Hopefully you enjoyed it. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode of Freedom Strips. Enjoy your weekend.